Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Sorry. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? I love when it talks about the culture around us that it won't influence us. I think the world has all this different culture and whether we want to believe it or not, we are affected and infected sometimes by the culture because of what we open our heart to, what we open our eyes to, what we allow ourselves to be influenced by. And sometimes we think it's good, but it's not necessarily from the Lord. Like if it's not leading us into freedom, if it's not leading us into liberty, into this holy life that we're supposed to live with each other, then it's bondage. So I kind of want to talk about what it looks like um, for us as a community, a church. You know, um, the word church gets thrown around like it's a negative thing. And how many know Jesus said, I will build my church and the power of hell won't prevail against it. He loves his church. And if we don't like the word church or how it's defined in the world, then let's redefine it. Let's change our perspective of what it looks like because church the word church is the living body of Christ. It's the people of God. It's you and it's me. And so if we don't, if that word church has a negative connotation, let's change it. And so as a community, as a church body, as a family, as an organization, as this organism, not organization, this organism of life, how do we create a culture of honor that pleases the Lord? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we create a culture like that? Because it's not just um, leaders. It's not just the people that are take on, on a platform. It's, it's every single person in this community. We, we create the culture. We create the culture of this community. And so how do we take that mandate on for us as we're transitioning and growing as a church body? And so the first question I wanted to ask you is, what do you believe the church should look like that makes us set apart from the world's culture? Well, I'll just say this. Um, what you just said is very profound. Like, our, how do we define church? I think that's a perfect example of how we can be separate from the world. Um, a lot of times in the church, we find ourselves because we're broken, because we're imperfect, because maybe we're critical of ourselves. Sometimes it's bad theology that causes us to be so inward focused that mm -hmm. we, we don't like ourselves um, because we don't think God really likes us. Like he loves us, but he doesn't really like us. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot of reasons why we think that and it's wrong to think that. Yeah. But if we don't like ourselves, we're not going to really like people. Mm -hmm. And so the critical spirit sometimes can even manifest in ways where we think we're discerning things and we're literally just criticizing 
and we take a seat in the scornful Psalms 1 talks about the the counsel of the godly and we sometimes will find ourselves sitting in the seat where we're scorning everything else and so that's a perfect example I remember years ago where the Lord taught me to honor the bride so the church is the people of God right we know the church isn't the building yep all right and we know that the church is that one of the root words for our modern day word church um, is from a German word. It means belongs to the Lord. So like when you drive by and you see church building, it says whatever church, encounter church. It's encounter church building. That's literally what it is. But we are the assembly. We are the called out ones. We are the people of God. In the Old Testament, God says, I will have a people. That's the church. We are the temple of the Lord. Amen. Amen. But how do we view the church? Well, how does Jesus view the church? Because I think that's a good question. Yeah. And however he views the church, I want to view the church. And so that was part of my journey. I remember there was a time where I could point out all of the dirt of the body of Christ. And it was easy. And sometimes we put ourselves in a place where it's easy. We do it in relationships. We do it in marriages, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Where, or the relationships we have with people that we value. It's easy to see dirt. How many know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. But it's a whole other value system to call out the gold. And I remember where I was quoting scriptures and trying to apply it to the bride of Christ. I'm, I'm quoting the whore of Babylon in the book of Revelation, and I'm misquoting scripture, and I'm looking at Old Testament temporal examples out of context, and I'm applying it to the modern day church. And Jesus flat out rebuked me and said, I don't look at my bride the way you are looking at the church. And I immediately had this picture of you almost 25 years ago when we said, I do, when we vowed and, and joined our lives in marriage. And I remember when you were walking down the aisle. In that moment, as a young man, I had no reservations. I'm like, that is my woman right there. <laughs> and she's beautiful. And you were in a dress that your Brazilian grandmother made. Yes. And like, it was just, it was beautiful. And we're young, dumb, and we're like, we don't know what we're doing, <laughs> you know? And, and so we're like going, we're just, we, we love, we're just so in love, right? But in that moment, I, I was taken back to that moment. And the Lord says, can you imagine if people didn't do what is normally done in that moment when the bride walks to the end of the aisle where everyone stands and honors the bride? What if they didn't stand, but they sat there and they began to boo her as she took each step down the aisle or they threw things at her or they, they, and, and immediately I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter five, where it says that we're to wash with the water of the word. The Bible says that the bride is washed with the water of the word until she becomes glorious and mature and, and honored. And, and immediately it was like, I need to see the bride. If, if I was in that place, I'm standing up here ready to marry you, and people don't stand and they start booing you, I'd want to kick them all out. Mm. I'd want to smack them in the face. Come on, somebody. If someone treats my woman like that, yeah. my bride, yeah. and immediately I felt like the grief in the heart of Jesus for the body of Christ. Like when we bash the bride, and I went from a bride basher to a bride lover. Come on. And, and so I think that's a beautiful example. Yeah. I think that sometimes it can, we can become so quick, and there's good, valuable things we can learn 
you know, to, to not misuse things like the word church or misuse, you know, that, that's one example. Yeah. And, and we had this conversation because a post that we saw on Facebook, but like th- this is what happens though, is that we will sit in the seat of the scornful and that because we're critical of ourselves, we do it all the time yeah. and we're missing the mark. We are missing the mark and we're not operating in heaven's value system. That's what honor is. Yeah. Honor is when I value what heaven values. Bill Johnson says it this way, a culture of honor is to celebrate who someone is without stumbling over who they're not. Can I see and value and honor and receive who someone is without stumbling over the dirt that we all have? Come on, somebody. Some more than others. (laughs) But there's gold. We're made in the image of God. We're bought with a price. Like the whole world has mystically been included in Christ they don't know it yet. That's what the gospel is. Yeah. And they may never receive it. God have mercy. But all of humanity has value That's to God, true. intrinsic yeah. value. So much value that Jesus was willing to lay down his life. How do you determine the value of something? The uniqueness of something. And how many know every human being is unique? No one has the same DNA or fingerprint. That's right. Yeah. Nobody has the same fingerprint and DNA. Yep. Right? And also the price one is willing to pay for it. That's what determines value. Mm. You are so unique, no one is like you. And the ultimate price was paid for you and I. That's how valuable we are. So how do I see with heaven's value system? Lord, like heal my eyes. Mm. I don't wanna look at the dirt. It's, it's, it boils down to heart orientation. And this is, we can unpack this more, but I think it's a perfect example. That was a moment, a defining moment. I encountered Jesus. And, and when I beheld him and his love for his bride, mm. I captured the love in a, in, a, in a smaller way, the love, desire, and thoughts that he had for the church. And I began to look at the larger body of Christ. All of a sudden, I love Catholics. Mm. Whether they're born again or not, God knows, right? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Oh, don't love Catholics. What, what do you mean don't love Catholics? There, there, there are a billion, over a billion people that claim to be Catholic. And how many know that some of them are genuinely born again? Some of them are actually spirit-filled. You know, there's over like 200 million charismatic Catholics that speak in tongues and they believe in the gifts of the spirit. Some of y'all were those and you came into the Protestant church. So I started loving and honoring the larger body of Christ, learning from fathers in my life. I remember Larry Titus said, learn to glean from the larger body of Christ. I'm like, that's weird, because I was drinking from one stream, and I thought that one stream was the river. I'm like, no, that's not the river, that's one stream. Sometimes we drink from our own stream so much, we start drinking our own Kool-Aid, we become another version of fundamentalism in in the Christian faith. And then we think, we got all the right words, and we, you know, it's like, can I honor someone who is of the Reformed faith? Absolutely. Do I agree with them 100%? No, absolutely not but I can honor them and I can cherish the value things that that they believe about God and who God is and about humanity and about the gospel. So good, it's beautiful. So back to the quote, a culture of honor, Bill Johnson said this, is to celebrate who someone is without stumbling over who they're not. 
I think that actually answers my next question, which was, how, no, it's okay. How do we choose to walk in honor when we see the dirt? It's just a choice. It's just a posture yeah. of our heart. Yeah. I remember you would say, you've said it for years and years and years, um, don't criticize the lack, but become the more. Yeah. And for me, that's always a challenge. I, I have a, a critical nature, a critical disposition. Um, so I, tr I, I know that that's not from the Lord. And so when wait, I... Wait, wait, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. It can be sanctified to where you see things that other people don't see that sometimes need to be seen. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So sometimes we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. because I'll tell you, and here's, this is honor. I'm going to speak to the gold of that disposition in you. There are times I don't see things because I believe the best in people and I see potential and I don't see any other potential issues. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll be like, be careful. Yeah. And it doesn't come from a place of criticism, but discernment. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where you see with the light of heaven yeah. and you see like there's anointing there, mm -hmm. but there's not all the character right. that there needs to be to carry the, those individuals or that individual where they need to go mm -hmm. or where they should go. So, so it's not always a bad thing. Anyways, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, that's you. good. <laughs> Thank you. So sometimes when you are able to see that dirt so clearly, you have to choose. You make the choice, right, yeah. to, to allow yourself to see, wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what heaven sees. I'm going to look around and see the gold in the person right. and then learn, like you say, to call that out first. Right. To let to 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 say those things over a person or love right. a person that way, yeah. and I, I think the trick too for for me I know is the more authentic and vulnerable you are, the more likely you are to be judged and criticized for your authenticity authenticity and your vulnerability. And so for me as a person that you know I I like to just be like hey what you see is what you get you don't have to like me there's a whole lot of other churches where you will like the pastor's wife <laughs> I say it kidding but if you leave because of me I will cry so <laughs> but there is this trick and in my you know in my vulnerability in the authenticity of my heart there is this trick that says if people see who you really are they won't like it and so we hide in the church, the place where we should feel the safest to be ourselves. We should feel the safest to be the most vulnerable because the people of God are supposed to be able to see us for who we really are and not criticize us. Like, like if you feel safer to be yourself in a work environment than you do in your church, in your family, then it's not okay. Like that's not okay. And I think we've gone through that we've gone through Christian life and church life where we've learned to put on religious masks. We've learned to put on fronts. We've learned to be somebody else when we step in these walls because we're afraid of the response from the people. And church, Jesus have mercy on us. Because somehow we, and we have to take responsibility because it's not that person or this person, it's us. We have created a culture that says I'd rather see the fake that's pretty than see the real that's ugly. We've created a culture and made that okay. God have mercy. And we wonder why. We wonder why people aren't 
flooding into churches. Jesus, Jesus created an environment where he said, all are welcome. All are welcome. He would sit with sinners. He would, he would do the things that the religious people of the day. So scandalous. Was so, yeah, there's a book that I think everybody should read. <laughs> scandalous Love by Zach Wexler. He's my favorite preacher, worship leader, and author. But you keep doing that, I'm gonna just kiss you in front of all these people. <laughs> um, I love Earlier, you. I hugged her right before service, and I said, "Let's let's just let God mark this day. Let's go for it today." She's like, "Yeah, let's go for it." And this is right before she's about to open up, and I wrapped my arms around her waist. She was like, oh, "I got scared. I thought you were gonna grab my butt in front of everyone." <laughs> I looked at her. I said, "You know, I wanted to." All right, this isn't a marriage conference. Keep going, baby. Back to what you're saying. Authenticity, bam. And just, I wouldn't put it past him, which is why I said it. And it's not like it's never happened. So I was like, okay, let's, uh, anyways. Remember when we were training our serve team ushers how to catch when people go down under the power of God? And we're on stage, this is in the Vegas church. And I was, I said, hey, Rochelle, you can be the example. And I was catching her and I caught her on her butt. In front, of, in front of everybody. She was so embarrassed. But it was funny. It's fine. So I think, <laughs> I think that we have created a culture that is so similar to the world, but we stamp Jesus on it like he's some approval stamp and said, this is what church is supposed to look like. And it's really opposite of what the kingdom of God looks like. Yes, we call each other higher. Yes, we should be people set apart. But first, we should be our full, authentic, vulnerable self saying, this is who I am. And I'm going to come to the place where I can be fully real, fully known, fully seen, and called into my true identity. Instead of criticized, judged, condemned, mocked, and ridiculed. And imprisoned. Yeah. Because when you don't step into the light, you're in prison yeah. and you don't know it. Yeah. And you can't know somebody unless you're fully known by them. And you can't be fully known if it's the fake version of you. That's right. It's not possible. Right. The book, The Seven Levels of Intimacy, you remember what he says in there? He says, you have to risk the, the, the there's, you have to be willing to risk being rejected for who you are yeah. than rather be accepted for who you're not. Yeah. Like the real version of you. Yeah. And it happens in, in the light of his presence and his love, where we're not afraid. I was, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the scripture, it says there's no fear in love, yeah. but perfect love drives out all fear. And in context, he's talking about, we're not afraid that God is going to punish us because we're in him, mm. we're in Christ. Well, how many times are we afraid to be punished by someone else? Yeah. And so we're afraid to come into the light so because if I, open my heart up to you, you might judge or punish right. me right. for my brokenness. Right. And so we have to be, and I, I wanna say this too, we have to be able to receive each other, but looking at for the gold in the midst of the dirt is not turning a blind eye to dysfunction. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Sometimes you gotta be powerful and set boundaries and make choices that could be, listen, 
Fierce conversations, confronting with truth is all from the Lord. It's, yeah. That is from heaven. Yeah. We don't sweep the dust under the rug. Right. That's the opposite of the culture of heaven. We want everything to be in the light of his love and his presence. And sometimes in relationships, you gotta say, hey bro, this is the way Danny Silk puts it, like you're making a mess in my living room. Mm. And so I'm not gonna allow you in my house anymore until you stop that. It's, it, there has to be genuine repentance yeah. in order for there to be reconciliation so that there can be restoration. That's beautiful. But repentance is something that needs to happen sometimes. Yeah. And we're not just turning a blind eye to, oh, there's this dirt. Well, everyone is just gold and glorious. Like, you know, some people make some really dumb choices. Some people are like a bull in a china shop. And as believers, we can stand up in truth with grace yep. and say, you need to cut it out. Yeah. Hello? It's beautiful. So I feel like this conversation is leading, like, leading us to redefining what the church looks like as a place where we are loved, accepted, forgiven, leading us into what does that look like on a real level? First, it looks like being authentic and vulnerable, being ourselves and being able to be loved for who we are. And then it's being able to have fierce conversations with each other because it comes from a place of love. The conversations with each other that we're afraid to have because we don't really know what love is. I remember the first time a father in my life corrected me. Now, the first time my husband tried to correct me, Jesus, help me. Forgive me, Lord. I was like, mm, I didn't have a dad, didn't need a dad, never wanted a dad. You're not my dad. Don't tell me what to do. Like, that was my attitude, right? So then I have a spiritual father in my life, and he, he says things out of love that's correcting. And I was just like, ouch, but I need it. So let's go. And, and when you have... When, you, when we hold on to this orphan way of thinking, that correction feels like rejection. But it's actually protection. It's actually cultivation into life and fruitfulness. It hurts. It's pruning. Ah. But like when you embrace it and say, okay, Lord, you're in this. Even in situations in life where like, this sucks. I'm going to just keep it real. Like I... Okay, Lord, how are you going to manifest in the midst of this? And what are you trying to teach me through this moment? You know, I think about the way my husband is with our daughters. So because I didn't grow up with the father, I don't understand that kind of love. I just, when we first got married, I never understood it. I didn't understand that protection and correction is a way that a father guides his children into who they're supposed to be. And so I would like uh, be afraid of making corrections sometimes with my children. Like, well, I don't want them to not love me. I don't want them to be mad at me. Or I don't, I don't want them to turn their hearts away from me. But then watching the way that my husband will say, this is not okay because it's hurting you. And you're not going to do it. And you can be mad at me if you want, but eventually you'll understand that it's for your own good. And when I understood that love that a father has for his kids, it opened up my heart to see that when the father does correct things, when the father does make corrections in my heart, it's beautiful and necessary. And how do we receive correction if we don't come into the light, like Zach said? How do we actually allow things to change us if we don't make that intentional decision to say, I'm going to come into the light and let, let who I am be known fully?
who I am be known without reservations. I, I want to just jump to something real quick before you move on. The question that you asked was, how do we choose to walk in honor when we see the dirt in people? I, I'll say this. This is how it happened for me. But I think in the Lord, in our relationship with him, being in his presence, hearing his word, you know, all of these things, what happens is God teaches us to love. Yeah. That's the bottom line. We can only learn to really love from him, from his heart. And this is the way it's happened with me. And, and maybe I'll give this to you. Pray this prayer. We'll pray it together. God, teach me to see people through your eyes. Mm. I dare you to pray that in the middle of worship. When you are experiencing his presence and his love and we're meeting with God together, pray that prayer and wait. And then when you feel the, the balm of heaven touching your eyes and you just know like, okay, open your eyes and look around. Look around at the family of God that's around you. Look around at the people you know and love. Maybe you come to church with your blood family, your spouse, if you're married. When I do that, I look at my spouse in the presence of the Lord something happens, I'm telling you. God does it in our heart and it changes our vision. So good. And you see, there, it's almost like I can look at my wife and I'm like, you're flawless. It doesn't mean that there's no, it doesn't mean there's not imperfections. Well, of course with you, there, there's no imperfections, but. Very few. Check this out. The other day we're getting ready for the Zoom at this pastor's fellowship. And I wanted to come to the church because when you Zoom, at least for me, I don't wanna look all ratchet and weird in the camera, <laughs> angles, shadows, right? You gotta have the right lighting. And in the right lighting, the flaws disappear. Wow, wow. So when you come into the right light, you can see with the eyes of heaven and there so it's like i know there's imperfections but i don't see him i look around i'm like look at my brothers and sisters all over this room look at max i look at him and i think of the father's love for him and abba is so proud of you and i'm so honored that you're a part of this family in this house Amen. like there's a connection that you have to this house because there's a spiritual inheritance and you felt it the first time you came here in the presence of the Lord. And I look at you and I honor who you are. I celebrate who you are in the light of heaven. Yeah, I can look around the room and just, God, but pray that prayer. How do we honor? How do we not see the dirt? God, touch my eyes. So good. Teach me to see through the eyes of heaven. I'm telling you, do it in the middle of worship and look around. You'll get rocked. You'll stop and you want to get prophetic words for people? You want to start walking the prophetic? Just love with the love of God. Yeah. You want to release the supernatural? Just love with the love of God. Love is the valve that opens up the rivers of living water. Mm. You want to get God's thoughts and, and desire for other people so you can speak into their life? You want to minister to people? You want to see people impacted by the power and the love of God? Just yeah. see them through the eyes of heaven. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah. God, teach me to see the gold. Call out the gold to celebrate who someone is, to love who someone is right where they're at. Beautiful. It is life-changing. And to this day, the way I look at my kids, 
the way I look at my family. And it starts there, by the way. Healthy ministry flows from healthy marriage and family. That's right. It's like this fount of an oasis that nourishes the garden of community. And, and there's times I'm on that front row and I'm watching my kids that I love so much. I would give anything for my kids, man. I would lay my life down in a second for my sons and daughters. And I'm watching Sarah up here leave worship and my heart's melting and there's no flaws because I'm looking at her in the light of heaven, in the right light. I'm looking at my kids, my sons, you know, with the camera running around here. And I'm just like, man, they're just, I'm so proud of them. I could not be more proud of them. And what's happening is my heart is begin, beginning to beat with the rhythm of Abba's heartbeat. So good. And then we begin to love with his love. Yeah. What's that mean? We become the church. We become a community that is one. We become, love is a passion for oneness. And you can't have unity without real fellowship. You can't have fellowship without walking in the light. First John chapter one, yep. we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from so all sin. Good. So good. Can you just say amen to that? So beautiful. One more question and then we can close. What as a church community should we prioritize to make sure that we are healthy and strong? And you talked about this last week, that we're thriving and not just surviving. Like what are maybe two, three, four elements as a community that we can take home with us today and say, I need to work on these things so that I am thriving as a, as a beautiful part of this community. I would say what comes to mind, which I didn't have the answer. I didn't know what to say until right when you finished. I was just gonna pause for a minute. Sometimes we're so quick, like, oh, we have all the answers, and, and it's just knowledge, and we're just regurgitating things and principles rather than presence and the wind of heaven on a moment. And what came to mind in that, in that second was James 3.17. Mm. The wisdom that's from above, the wisdom from heaven. What, Jesus is our wisdom, mm. first of all. This is what it says in in uh, the book, I think, 2 Corinthians. Wisdom is the display of the, the glory of who God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus was the perfect revelation of the Father. So James says the wisdom that's from above mm. is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. One of the translations says, uh, I forget the word, but it's it's... It's like teachable, yeah. humble, yeah. full of mercy, mm. full of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Yeah. So James 3.17 for me, and you know, in context, he's rebuking divisive behavior. But he says, that's not the wisdom. That's earthly, sensual, and demonic. Where, where there's division, there's self-seeking. You, you can read, uh, let me just read that one verse. He says this, wherever there's jealousy or selfishness uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. Hold on, let me, let me just do a little New King James version up in here. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just got to preach from, all right, let's see what verse was that. Verse 16, wherever envy wow. and self-seeking exist. 
You know, we were talking about this the other day. Let me say this. There is such a difference between holy jealousy and envy. Mm. When you are envious of someone, you disdain their breakthrough. Wow. When you honor someone's breakthrough, <laughs> you're celebrating with them what God has done in their life. Mm. And no wonder we have so many cultures of unanointed hype. We don't know the difference between anointing, we've lived so long without it, wow. and the actual presence Come of God. On. Come on. When there's no wind. Mm. It's like, I, want, I don't want to do anything without the wind Come of the on. Spirit. Yeah. But remember, we are talking about this at dinner, mm -hmm. and I said, there's something really profound about, in my heart, I gauge this in my heart. When I feel like I'm disdaining someone's breakthrough, there's envy in my heart. And I'm like, Lord, I repent. Teach me to be holy, holy uh, and burning with a jealous fervor, love, a love, a fervent love that says, I want that breakthrough in yeah, my own life. Yeah. You know what happens when you honor someone's breakthrough? When you honor the anointing or the gift of who someone is, you participate in the grace. It flows to you. Yeah. When, when we're jealous and envious, we cut ourselves off from blessing and breakthrough. Come on. And this is what James is talking about. So, I, I'm sorry, let me just keep going here. It says, where envy and self-seeking exist, self-promotion, Jesus never promoted himself. Think about that one for a minute. Sometimes false humility is self-promotion. Has nothing to do with the answer, but it's, free. it's a good word. It's just free. Confusion and every evil thing are there. This is it though, but the wisdom that is from above mm. is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. One of the terms, what is it, easy to be entreated? Yeah. I think the key is, to the answer to your question is being teachable and humble, learning to receive. I remember I was a pastor for a few years and I had this opportunity to have a team, a ministry team from Bethel Church in Reading come to our church and minister. It was through a mutual friend. I don't remember how it happened, but we had this whole team that was coming through and we're like, yeah, come. We'll send out teams on the strip pray for the sick we saw healings and it was incredible and I remember we had an amazing time and then this led to a relationship with Jason Chin later on and God totally ordained that and then he was a part of our conferences and what I learned from that church culture is these young people uh, and they weren't all young some of them were in their 40s 50s you know like but they would really operate in the Holy Spirit, like effective. And I'm telling you, there was this one lady, this lady would prophesy. When she prophesied, it was like a laser beam. Bzzz, like that's the only way I could describe it. Like talk about reading someone's mail. It was so accurate and piercing and precise and full of the love of God. It was incredible. And, and I remember after this whole trip, they came, 
right? And, and we feel like, hey, you know, we want to be a church like that, that, that loves the presence of God, that celebrates who people are, that reaches people, that sees people saved, healed, delivered, and, and, and all of that, right? And, and we want to walk in the power. We don't want to just preach good sermons. We want to demonstrate the spirit and the power. And after the whole trip, they said, I remember we're in this building and we're praying. And they look at me and said, all right, Zach, Pastor Zach, we want what you got. Would you pray for us? I'm like, y'all just spent three years at Bethel Church. What do you mean you want what I got? Like, we know what you carry in the Lord. We see it. Lay hands on us. And I remember watching them. The way that they received from one another was heavenly. It was like, can I pray for you? And I've seen this. I don't, I, I cannot stand cultures, people that don't know how to receive. I don't like it. And you feel it when you pray over someone, their heart shuts off. When you pray, they fold their arms. That's language. That's body language saying, I'm shutting my heart off right now. You know what we, we need in the church? Open hearts. Paul pleaded with the church of Corinth. I, we have opened our hearts to you. Would you please open your hearts to us? And I remember them, and I walked around and I laid hands on every one of them, and a roar, a fountain came up inside of me. What happens when people draw on the gift that you are, it flows. And I was just like, and they're falling out on this dirty floor, falling out under the power of God. Why? Because they're hungry, teachable, humble, receptive, yielded. We need to learn to receive from one another in humility. And not the been there, done that mentality has got to go, man. This arrogant, like, I, I walked in it as a young man who was full of the Holy Spirit, but I thought I knew everything. I went to this Bible study and I was like questioning this teacher and like, it's so, it, man, if I could go back in time and be someone that was attending the Bible study, watching myself, I would have punched myself in the face. Think I'm lying. I, I mean, I was, guess what God did? God had me keep going to that Bible study for 10 years. I submitted I humbled myself. Being humble means being teachable. I learned from this man of God who was my teacher. His name is Phil Nelson. Changed my life. Every Monday and Friday night from 7 p.m. to 9, sometimes 10, 11, 12, sometimes till 2 in the morning, we would be blasted in the Lord. He would teach for hours, and I surrendered my heart. I submitted, and that's the wisdom of heaven. It's holy. Look at Jesus. He submitted himself to the hands of sinners. Foot washer. It's the lowliness of who God is. We need lowliness in the house of God again. We need humility. There's beauty in that. It's the wisdom from heaven. It's not this haughty spirit. Been there, done that. It's like, no, I, I can receive from you. I can learn from you. Because you're a son too. You're a daughter too. We can learn from one another. We can receive from one another. If you, if you don't come here to receive, then don't come here. If you can't receive from people, something's wrong. Repent. Repent. Turn. That's not heaven's wisdom. Lord, I want to be humble. I want to be teachable. I want to receive. I want to yield. I learned that, though, from... It's a long answer. I learned that from that team that came. They were part of this culture where they saw miracle signs and wonders all the time and worship was just incredible. If you've never been there, the atmosphere of God's presence is just unbelievable. And they're like, we want what you have. I'm like, that just threw me for a loop, man. You know what I learned from that? I didn't 
get puffed up. Oh, I carry something amazing for this generation. It humbled me to think, wow, how I have to learn how to receive when I think I've got all the goods, I've got all the teaching, I've been to all the conferences, go to church every Sunday, come on, drink green tea every Sunday, come on somebody. Sorry, it's a stupid movie reference. Like I, I, I do all the stuff, right? All the spiritual calisthenics. I know I have scripture memorized, but what I don't have is a humble heart. I've been in ministry for years. I remember doing outreaches and there's hundreds of people and there's families getting saved. And the Lord flat out rebuked me and he's like, you just want to look anointed. You don't even love these people. And God had to break my heart for three years to weep over my city. And he gave me his heart for people. And then we were commissioned to plant a church. But on the journey, even as church planters, I learned so much. One of the most beautiful things about that culture, they know how to receive from each other. And it's so powerful. James 3.17. Can we stand together? I want us to just, as a church family, as a community, take the mandate from our leader and say, I will choose to be humble. And I will choose to be teachable. And I repent from every, every bit of pride or presumption in my heart. I repent. We repent. And we choose to lay aside the cares of the world, the culture of the world, the culture that has shaped us to be not the church you've called us to be, God. And we choose, right now we choose. Can you say this with me? I choose to be humble. And I choose to be teachable. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In the message, James 3.17, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with the holy life and is characterized by getting along with each other. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Jesus, forgive us. Let us choose this holy, holy way. Holiness is not about my life separate from everybody else's and me living perfectly alone. No, holiness is the way I love, the way I lift up the people around me. So we choose to walk that way, Lord, to be the church purified and holy by your blood. Thank you, Jesus.
Can we lift our hands to heaven? I just want to speak this over you. I am behind you 100%. I believe in who you are. I believe in the gifts that God has given you. I honor who you are. I honor you, Encounter Church. I honor every single one of you. I celebrate who you are. I want to see you fully alive in God, overflowing with this love and reaching the region, changing the world. I declare you are a world changer. You are a history maker. So receive the heart of God and see with the eyes of heaven so that we can change the world around us. May we be a community that loves so well that it, we become overflowing with that love as a beautiful fountain of life to the world around us. Can you say amen? How many receive that? Can we celebrate and just say, thank you, Lord. Pray this with me real quick. Say, Lord Jesus, teach me to see with your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.